Have you ever wondered what happened to the legendary Chuck Norris? I recently saw a health video he made and I was surprised. He's in his 80s and still seems to have his energy and health. He says he's even stronger, has more stamina, and plenty of energy left over for his grandkids since making one simple health change that helps his digestion and nutrition. He says he still feels like he's in his 50s. His wife made the same change and she's never felt better. She says she feels 10 years younger and she has energy all day. Many of us do not include the fruits, vegetables, and other herbs that increase health and energy in our own diets. Chuck Norris made a special video that explains how he incorporated these things with one simple product. You can watch it by going to mymorningkick.com forward slash Harris. It may change your approach to your own health. Once again, that's mymorningkick.com forward slash Harris. Good afternoon, everyone. This is the Conversations That Matter podcast. I'm your host, John Harris. Uh, it's a sober day today. Um, I wasn't planning on doing a podcast on what's happening right now or what happened yesterday in Nashville and uh, the developments concerning that. I'm sure more will come out, so um, we don't know exactly the motive, but it appears that um, it appears that there is a motive that at least it's been suggested by the uh, I believe it was the police commissioner, the chief of police uh, of Nashville PD that uh, there there is a theory that uh, this is he didn't say persecution he said targeted uh, that, that this Christian school was targeted but I'm saying it that there is a an element of persecution, uh, re religious persecution against Christians specifically. And, um, and my heart goes out to, to the parents. We're, we're going to get into this a little bit more uh, as the podcast unfolds. But I wanted to start with reading Romans 1 uh, to you. Romans 1, and just it's a familiar passage for a lot of us, but I've been looking at Romans 1 over the last two days because I'm writing uh, an, another book. It's, it's been about a year and a half, I suppose, since I came out with the last book. And uh, I think I need to write something that's a little bit more practical and uh, tackle some root issues that we're going through uh, right now. And, and I want to share with you a few of the thoughts that I'm in introductory thoughts, because that's where I'm at. I'm still writing an introduction. I have actually some chapters somewhat done. That's how I write. I don't necessarily do it chronologically. Sometimes I'll, I'll write a little here, write a little there, and it just kind of develops. But uh, but anyway, I was working on the introduction, and Romans 1 is one of the passages that I briefly used to describe what's happened in Western societies in regards to not just sexuality, but in regards to all kinds of things. Our identity, our national identities, our um, sexual identities, uh, family identities, um, the sacred and the profane, the spiritual and the common, the all all sorts of uh, boundaries that used to exist have been ripped down. Barriers that were helpful gone, fences, as Chesterton says, that have been ripped up, and in their place we don't have any substitutes, nothing of value at least, nothing that can serve the purpose of the previous barriers that we used to have. 
and, and and there's so many ways you can areas you can see this in um and i won't go into all of them but romans 1 to me describes so much of what we're seeing I'm, and i take a little bit of a different angle when i in my in uh, application but what's happened yesterday what's happening right now in the discussions about this particular incident in nashville i think needs some spiritual direction so let's read starting at verse 18 it says for the wrath of god is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness because that which is known about god is evident within them for god made it evident to them for since the creation of the world his invisible attributes his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Therefore, God gave them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions for their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. And in the same way, also the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another. Men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. And although they know the ordinance of God, and those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. Now, many of you have heard this verse used in a similar way to the way I'm using it now in conjunction with the fall of civilization, the downgrading of society. And and certainly I think that application is in this particular passage the reason that i wanted to read it now though is to um, because it was one it was the first passage that jumped to my mind after hearing the news about this shooting in nashville in a christian elementary school because it explains the human condition apart from christ that explains what happens now these are the immoral unrighteous they're not the the moral unrighteous, who Paul describes in the next chapter, these are people who are whole hog descending into depravity as a result of idolatry. And this is on display, probably no more identifiable display is prevalent in our society right now than Drag Queen Story Hour. That's what's gotten a lot of political attention. And ironically, I don't know if this is still the case, Christianity Today, I think Woke Preacher Clips put this out there not long ago, 
has not even touched this issue. And yet it's such a big dividing line, whether or not one is in support of these publicly protected, often encouraged by the government displays, sexual displays that are indecent and just warning to parents out there. You may hear some things in my discussion of this today that you don't want your kids to hear. But anyway, Drag Queen Story Hour is, uh, is, a, is a threat. I think sane parents see this as a threat. And yet, there's a whole lot of people who don't see it that way. They think it's perfectly fine, but there's nothing wrong with it. Gender confusion is rampant. How did we get there? Well, Romans 1 tells us how we got here. It tells us where these twisted desires, uh, descending levels of depravity, where they come from, where they start. There, there's an origin, right? Ultimately, it starts with worshiping some aspect of creation, some element in creation that's not the creator, some principle, perhaps, equality, some experience, love, making that the purpose of life or the thing that you you give all your time and attention and, and really your worship to. Uh, you treat it as God when it is not. Of course, the examples that are specifically given here is corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. I think that's pretty comprehensive. Even if it's a principle or an experience, I mean, it's a man that's having it. It's mankind or or it's it's some, uh, as many of the ancient cultures, and we're seeing this return, it's some kind of animalistic deity, or a creature that resembles animals, or um, a, a demonic, angelic kind of figure, but there's usually an, an, an animalistic element to, to that. And taking that and re replacing that with God, and, and of course, there's an appeal to this for sinners who want to justify their evil desires, because now they can go and they can they can do what they want to do. And there's no eternal consequences, at least in that kind of thinking. Now, deep down, they know. They know God. That's what Romans 1 says. They know. They, he's made it evident to them. But they'd rather suppress the truth. This happens all around us. It happens every day. It usually does not happen to the extent, though, and as publicly as we've seen in the last day. And I think... One of the main points I want to make as we unfold this whole issue is that sexual boundaries and the value for human life as made in the image of God are very connected. In fact, all the boundaries that God gives us are good for us in the Ten Commandments, and they're connected. You can't separate them in the sense that you can't take one of them and say, this is wrong, but those other nine are not wrong, or vice versa. Or coveting has nothing to do with committing adultery, or stealing, or murder. They're, they're connected. When, when you lust uh, after, as Jesus said, if you're a man, if you lust after a woman in your heart, that's committing adultery. But you know what it's also doing? It's objectifying that woman. It's making her out to be something less than human in a way. 
treating her according to her biological body parts instead of according to the actual soul that she has and that intrinsic worth. And it, it's a different way of looking at her. It's not the way that God looks at her, right? That's connected to the other commands. That's connected to even things like murder and stealing. It's connected to false worship. It's connected to disobedience to, to parents, assuming your parents uphold those principles. The law of God's connected, okay? You'll see why I'm making this point strong now in a few moments. Let's go through what happened. I'm going to start with a uh, new story here. We're going to, um, and then I'm going to play for you a video, but let's see here. Hopefully everyone can see that. There's, yeah, I just read Romans 1. I didn't realize I wasn't displaying it, so now you can see it. But uh, but go look it up and, and study it. Know it. It's fundamental. Um, I want to start here. Actually, no, I don't think I Do I want to start there? I guess we can start there. Um, I had a story up, and it looks like I took it down for some reason, but I can summarize for the most part. Um. For those who don't know, Audrey Hale is the name of the more than a suspect, the perpetrator in this particular crime that happened yesterday in Nashville at Covenant School, which is a Presbyterian school. And she killed three students and three teachers. And There, there's been a lot of political talk, as, and we'll go over some of that, as, as is to be expected. But almost immediately, footage was released, security footage, then body cam footage of police taking her down. And we don't know exactly what the motive is at this point, but it appears that it has something to do with the fact that she was a former student of the school. She chose the school because it was a soft target in comparison with another target that she was considering, according to police. And she happens to be transgender, or so she thinks. And it's one of the interesting things about this is how often her not preferred pronouns, because this is a biological woman, Audrey Hale, who... Actually, she I don't remember her male name that she's taken on, but she has a male name that she's uh, that, that she is. Uh, so she doesn't see herself or didn't see herself as Audrey. But it's interesting to me that her preferred pronouns aren't being used or haven't been used by much of the media. And, and I don't know exactly why that is. It could be that that information wasn't readily available. It, perhaps there, there's something to do with, I don't know, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe, I don't know. I don't want to spin theories about it, but um, whatever, whatever the, the reason. Uh, the, 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 it just shows you that they know. <laughs> we know. This is a woman, whether or not she thinks she's a man or not. And we don't know fully, uh, like I said, why, but according to 
the police chief, it does. One of the working theories is that it does have something to do with this transgender identity. And I, and I'm, and she left a manifesto and I'm sure more will be uncovered as time goes on. But as this has all been, uh, has unfolded, here's what's going on with some of the mainstream media who were quick to use her accurate pronouns instead of her preferred pronouns. And now they're apologizing for it. So you have, um, here's the New York Times. There was confusion later on Monday about the gender identity of the assailant in the Nashville shooting. Officials had used she and her to refer to the subject. And uh, so they're trying to, to cover their tracks a bit here. Um, the police on Monday afternoon said the shooter was a transgender man. Officials had initially misidentified the gender of the shooter. So they're all going out there to correct the record. Those who, uh, I guess, got it wrong in their minds. And uh, so th this is a woman which does kind of, it's not a man. It's, it's not as typical, but this, this shows you sin can reside in the hearts of, of men and women, even violent acts. Um, and, and it shows the utter confusion of the, the way that this is being processed. I mean, in all this, there's, there's concern about whether or not this, this evil person who shot up a school, their, their wishes and how they wanted to be known are being honored. Their insane notions about what they, what gender they are, when in fact, this is a woman, uh, we're honoring those notions. And I don't mean we as in those in this audience, I mean, mainstream media. And, and, and so it shows you how deeply ingrained this rule is. Even after death, um, this particular individual is, it, it is not considered good manners at the very least, but it's considered immorally wrong by some to misgender her. And it would seem like that would be something that you wouldn't care that much about, even if you thought that you should use preferred pronouns. That, I mean, in light of what she's done, that th this, you know, it, it would seem to me, too, that if you're on that side of the aisle politically, you would want to separate yourself. You, you, you would want to try to say, oh, this, this person's not really transgender. She doesn't represent transgender people or something. But it has been, I think, so ingrained in us for now so long. It actually hasn't been that long, but it's been intense for the last few years that even someone like this needs to be honored in her wishes when it comes to gender. Audrey Hale. So. That, that's one of the, the interesting reactions. Another thing that's going on um, is, you can see it, actually, let's see here. Here, Biden made a speech, and of course, it was a bit tone deaf. He talks about ice cream. It's really strange. It's Biden. Um, but he, he makes this speech and says, we need an assault weapons ban. We need to reconsider an assault weapons ban. I urge Congress to take action. And he, he claims that she had AK-47s, which I, I was trying to look into that a little bit, but it, it doesn't look like that's the case. I could be wrong. I don't know. Um, I'm, more is coming out, but 
uh, which I thought that was odd when I heard that too. I was like, even in the, the video of the police uh, body cam footage, I didn't hear, it wasn't an automatic. It was individual shots that you heard. Anyway, this is being called assault, an assault weapon, whatever this is. And, and I, my suspicion is it's probably an AR-15. It's probably two AR-15s or something. I don't know. Because uh, that's a more common weapon, especially in the United States. Either way, and, and a pistol, um, either way. And Biden thinks, so, so banning, so if, if it is banning, quote unquote, assault weapons, I, I, that's going to extend to these semi-automatic rifles that have been commonly used and commonly used to prevent crimes too and for home protection. In fact, most don't know that uh, my wife, who's smaller than me, uh, does much better with an AR-15 than a 12-gauge shotgun. And um, it, because it, it is lighter, it's more versatile, just for people who don't know guns, uh, it, it's a, a common gun to use for um, varmints and and um, you know, some people use it for hunting, but for pest management, that kind of thing. Anyway, if if Biden is planning on banning those kinds of tools, then um, then that's going to affect a lot of people. And um, so so that was Biden. That was Biden's whole angle. And uh, Samuel Perry, who I, I'm not a fan of Samuel Perry and his. Uh, take on Christian nationalism and stuff, but he posted a poll on Twitter that was somewhat interesting. Uh, this is from the Pew Research Center, and this is probably likely how parents, whether they're Democrat or Republican, are reacting to this. Uh, one of the things he wanted to highlight is banning assault-style weapons, and an AR-15, I guess, is an assault-style weapon. Uh, would twenty uh, percent, I guess, of um, of Republican-leaning parents are think that might be helpful, whereas 67% of Democrats, I mean, that's a big gap. That's a big, there's a gap in all of these, but that's a big gap. Uh, they, they're both pretty close on having metal detectors at schools, allowing teachers and school administrators to carry guns. Republicans, 41%. Democrats, 11%. By the way, uh, I went to both Southeastern, I went to, to, to Masters, Southeastern, and then uh, Liberty University. And you know where I felt the safest? Liberty, by a lot. I felt like a sitting duck at Southeastern. I remember going down to Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. I called ahead of time and I said, I have guns. I'm living in, in their, you know, uh, it, it's not, they're not dorms, they're like campus housing. Can I bring my guns? Is that like, what would I do with them when I got there? Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, you can bring them, but you're going to have to store them somewhere else. I said, what about keeping them in my truck, like with a separate ammo container? I said, nope, can't, not, it cannot be on school property. And of course, there's really hardly any security there. And, uh, and then I get to Liberty University. And at Liberty University, we're encouraged in classes that aren't even related to this. I mean, just in normal classes, sometimes at the beginning in orientation, the, the professor will say something about if you have firearms. I felt so much safer at Liberty University, by far, knowing that there were people. And I knew some of the profs uh, packed. And I, I, I um, and, and of course, this is subjective. This is just how I feel about it. Right. And I'm someone who grew up with guns. So, I, you know, I'm probably different than some. But 
um, it logically, it just makes sense. Uh, you are Liberty University um, has they, you'd think they'd be a major target, but there's a huge disincentive to walking on that campus and starting anything when you don't know who around you is carrying and they're encouraged carrying. So anyway, I, I would be in that that group of Republicans that uh, Republican leaning people, 41 percent there who think allowing teachers and school administrators to carry guns is, is, would be effective. Um, mental health screenings, another item in this, having police officers armed at security stations in the schools. That's what uh, uh, was his name, Vivek, I think, one of the Republican uh, uh, candidates seeking the nomination for president. Uh, he it, it went out there with a video trying to say, you know, how can we protect all these other places, but we don't protect our schools? Well, this is a private school. I mean, they probably haven't had problems like this, but now, man, I don't care where you are. If you're look, if you're a church that just preaches the truth about these issues, these you you don't use preferred pronouns. If you are a school, you need to figure out something, whether that is uh, training teachers or whether that is getting school security somehow. I mean, fortunately, in this case, this was very different than uh, Uvalde and um, Parkland, where you had police afraid to go in. Now, the, the to the Nashville Police Department's credit, they ran right in there and got the job done as quickly as they could in an efficient manner, very professional, and they probably saved lives by doing that. But you're not guaranteed that with local police departments in a lot of places, as we have seen over the years. And so, um, so anyway, the, the spiritual dimension to all this is we're grateful to God that the police were able to do their job in a timely manner. We're grateful to God that more lives were not taken, but we're very sad for the lives that were. This could have been, I think this hits close to home for, for Christians uh, who believe this way because they know that, man, this could have been my kids. This could have been me. And... For me, it's a reminder of the temporary nature of life. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. And that's another thing that's really missing from this conversation with some of the leftist reactions, especially. I saw, once again, prayers and hopes being mocked, that Christians, um, in fact, one comedian implying that basically Christians deserve this. Uh, their prayers don't, don't do anything. And it, it's like, well... We know that God appoints the time of our death. We, we know that every life has a different span. And, and what we hope is that we uh, have a, live to a, a ripe old age. But that's not even natural. That's not the way God intended, at least, us to live. He, Adam was not created for death. And we live in now a, a sin-cursed world in which death happens all around us all the time. And so what are you doing to prepare for the next life? What are you doing uh, in, in your own life to prepare yourself, your family, those you love, and, and beyond that, those in your community to meet their maker? Because you don't know when it's going to happen. And, and, and every time this happens, it's a really, uh, it's an important reminder along those lines. So anyway, I just, th these are just some, some shotgun thoughts, but 
I oh was there one? No, I think that was it. Uh, I was going to share with you. Well, I'll share it uh, a little bit about this. This is a Newsweek article. Tennessee Republicans ban on drag shows criticized after mass shooting. So, and as an addendum, I'll just mention the fact that there's a number of people, including politicians and artists online, that it's just an interesting angle, and it shows again. Romans one, the depth of the depravity, the un, even being unable to analyze this in any rational capacity. Tennessee banned drag queen shows in public areas or areas that are um, certain distances from schools and places where children will be. So they didn't ban all drag shows. So they, they banned them publicly accessible ones near places where children are. And it just seems like a common sense thing. They also put restrictions on gender transition surgeries and these kinds of things. So you have someone who uh, considers themselves transgender who comes in to a school and shoots it up. And some of the reaction has been that the Republicans were wasting their time banning drag shows because they could have banned guns. And if they would have banned guns, then this wouldn't have happened, basically. That's, that's the bottom line, that there's something... Uh, so much more important than um, than what they were doing, and, and it would have prevented this. And it, it's just it, it's ironic because you would think in a situation like this, all the more reason to be concerned about the mental health effects of people who go in that direction and encouraging that kind of behavior. You you encourage with with kids in drag shows uh, to. Uh, monkey see monkey do to to follow suit you're gonna have problems uh you're gonna have people that are not stable and you're and it's not just mental health romans one tells us the, the root issue here you, you descend into deeper de levels of depravity and confusion it, it's not a far jump from um looking at someone as uh object objectifying someone or um looking at someone in a way that God doesn't look at them uh, in a self-serving way, um, taking the very way you were designed and trying to mar that, sticking your, 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 uh, your nose up at the creator of the universe and saying, I know better than you. It, it doesn't, when you, when you start to embrace that kind of thinking, it's not a far jump to then devaluing all of human life. Um, if, if gender is not something that's sacred, right, as an intrinsic quality that God has given us, why is life sacred, right? Justify that. We can't encourage these things. Well, there's there's a lot more to say, and I'm going to get to, um, I'm, I'm going to change gears a little bit, but it's related still. We're going to talk about a Dennis Prager clip, uh, if I can pull it up, and I'm hoping that everyone can hear it. If not, we're just going to talk about it, but I, I think I can go through it. And I'm going to talk a little bit about where conservatives have capitulated, and that's part of the opening of the book that I'm writing. I'm talking about how political conservatives and Christians have ceded so much ground. We, we've been in a retreat action for so long, and uh, and so we'll talk about that. But um, first, oh, Christopher, <laughs> I was about to go to you. Christopher, if you want to come back on the podcast uh, and call in, I will uh, certainly uh, love to talk to you. Um, so anyway. I guess I guess we'll just jump into that. Let's look at some of the comments uh, that are coming in, though. Um, got a, a bunch of people, 188 people streaming right now. And. Uh, 
Gerard says, I interviewed for a job at a private Christian academy here in New York City last year. The principal told me that they had families that had left after one of their children adopted the trans philosophy. Yeah, this is something that's happening at every school, just about, even in, in rural areas, this is happening. And I remember when I went to uh, Wisconsin last year, they were talking about, I think it was, it was one of the local schools was having problems with kids who identified as cats and they wanted litter boxes in the bathrooms and things. And, uh, and this is, this is crazy, but that's, that's what's happening in areas. You wouldn't expect it to happen. Now that I think was in Madison. Um, but, uh, anyway, um, <laughs> James, uh, Linden says reminder for gun control. James Linden, uh, Linden, I think is our uh, one one of the uh, more progressive types that, uh, for some reason, likes listening to this podcast. I'm not sure exactly, um, but uh, yeah, you know, James, um, you know, gun. I'm grateful in this circumstance that you had people who have been trained on firearms to go and stop this. That's the only way that you can stop this. And um, you, you see, here here's one of the things. I'm not a conservative who denies that some gun law restrictions uh, help prevent even criminals from getting guns, right? The, the, the normal line you hear is uh, you can't prevent criminals from getting guns. So basically you, sh you shouldn't try to limit that. And, and that's not entirely true. You, you can actually, you, you can't put limitations on what kind of guns can be imported and manufactured and sold. Uh, and that's happening. That's happening in, in where I live in New York. Um, it puts a stigma on guns is what it does. People are afraid of them. They don't understand them. What happens though, I think, and, and this, you know, I don't have data to back this up right in front of me. Um, I don't even know if the studies have been fully done on this, but um, in areas where guns have been somewhat normalized and then restrictive laws come in like California and New York, I would wonder what happens uh, to the, um, what, what, what the numbers w w say as far as shootings, because because we already know in some of these liberal run cities, right, where they had the worst, the most gun restrictions ever, like Chicago uh, and New York City and Los Angeles. Uh, I mean, that's you have a higher population there, but you have in Chicago, especially an insane amount of, of murder and, and crime uh, with using firearms. So somehow criminals are able to get these guns. Now, it, it may be. Um, they may make it more difficult in, in some ways, but the criminals, remember, they're criminals. So they are going to spend a lot of time and effort that normal citizens wouldn't spend to try to obtain these things. Normal citizens, average decent Americans, have the tendency to try to comply with the law. And so they are and they don't want hassle either. They have a lot of things going on in life. Um, in fact, I'm seeing that right now in New York, right now, some very restrictive uh, measures were put in place to get pistol permits. So you know what's happening? People who should have pistols uh, are are not pursuing that. They're not pursuing it because it's it's a hassle. <laughs> it's it takes forever. There's a big lag time. There's they're going to go through social media history. That's one of the fears right now, and, and they're going to you know uh, put you on a list or something. And so so it's a deterrent from even um, for responsible gun owners to to even. Uh, have a firearm. And so what does that do? That means that in a scenario where you have a shooting, you don't have immediate access to someone who can stop the shooting, right? So so it may be, I'm actually willing to, this, this may be the case. I'm willing to cede this if this is the case. 
that maybe you do have less shootings. In Britain, you have less shootings, right? It's an island and they don't have their gun laws are, are very restrictive. You have stabbings in Britain. <laughs> so which way do you want to go? But you, OK, so less shootings. Um, but when a shooting does occur, the likelihood of someone being able to stop it is much, much less. And so you have situations like the Fort Hood massacre, where it was a, a place where, uh, ironically, military place, but they weren't allowed to carry firearms in that particular area. And so you have someone who uh, just can can go to town. And um, and so the, the the real thing that ended up stopping this particular situation from going further is that you had some good guys with guns, some police officers get there quick and they were brave and they went in and they did what men should do, not what the police officers in Uvalde or Fort Hood were doing, uh, not Fort Hood, um, Parkland. Um, so anyway, uh, lots of comments coming in. Uh, let's um, change gears a little bit here. Uh, <laughs> looks like there's a debate in the comment section now about guns and stuff. That's usually where this goes. You, you notice that the left uh, loves to talk about guns in situations like this. But if, if it was the other way around, we know if this was Christians going into a nightclub, I mean, even when it's not Christians, when it's someone who is trans, who I think that happened in Colorado, didn't it? It was like a, a, a nightclub, a, a um, home, I don't know, a gay nightclub or something like that. But uh, immediately the certain elements of the media wanted to jump on that and say, look what, what homophobic and anti-trans or anti-LGBT rhetoric is doing. And then they find out the shooter identified as trans. Uh, it, they're all over that. They're all over when it's a, that you don't even know, you need to know the motive. If it's a white on black or white on any minority, the, the motive doesn't really even matter. It's like, we all know the motive and, you know, white supremacy needs to be cracked down on or something like that. And yet, in a case like this, it's all, the focus is all the guns. It's it's like those underlying things don't seem all of a sudden don't seem to really matter. Those potential underlying things. So, uh, so, so anyway, it's I, I just find that awfully convenient. You know, I'm try I try to be consistent with this as much as I can, and and that means that I'm not blaming CNN and MSNBC and all these places who have pushed anti-Christian propaganda, in my opinion, uh, I'm not saying that they're responsible for this shooting, certainly not directly responsible. Um, indirectly, could they have contributed to a narrative that vilified Christians? I suppose so, but there doesn't mean they're liable for a shooting like this. But when, when a, a white person, even when we don't know the motive, let's say uh, shoots, uh, commits a crime like this, and, and there's victims who happen to be not white, it's linked to all kinds of things from our history, from uh, just white people in general, police departments and the way that they you know, it's systemic something, you know, that that contributed to this. And, and it's just I, I just find it hypocritical. I try to be consistent. I think most conservatives try to be consistent with this stuff. But it's, it's just so hypocritical to just we, we only focus on the exclusively on the gun when the uh, chosen. Uh, when the, when the chosen identities don't fit uh, or the pre-approved narrative. Um, Michael Hale here, I don't think that's any r relation uh, <laughs> to the shooter, says from the pictures I saw, it looks like she had an AR-15. You know, and I briefly saw some of that, and I, it's hard to know in these early stages what to confirm and what not to, but I thought the same thing. 
I did not think that it, Biden said AK-47, which I was like, what? Uh, that really, that is so unlikely that uh, they had that. Um, all right. Uh, I want to switch gears a little bit here because the main point I wanted to make wasn't about guns. I wasn't even preparing to talk about guns. I wanted to talk about this uh, clip, if I may, from Dennis Pr Less interested in the interior person, morally speaking, than you are. And, and uh, probably sure any of you are. It. And it's largely, I do believe, because... Okay, let me know if you heard that. I want to make sure that everyone's hearing it. I'll start from the beginning uh, when we're ready. Uh, just someone put in the comments, hey, I heard Dennis Prager speaking. Um, this is a clip from a, a Jordan Peterson. I don't know if it's a show. It's a, some kind of panel discussion on, okay, so Courtney says she heard it. Good. So we're going to play it. It's a panel discussion on the uh, Ten Commandments, okay? And, and for those who are here initially, I opened the show talking about how the Ten Commandments are connected. In fact, there's a great book I have somewhere. <laughs> uh, John Frame wrote it, but anyway, it's, it's about, uh, it's a Christian theology book, but he has a whole section on the law. And he talks about this with the Ten Commandments. I think it's, it's a great uh, exposition of the Ten Commandments. And they're connected. Um, a lot of things are connected that we, we just don't consider. Uh, let me give you an example real quick before we get dive into Dennis Prager here. Um, I had the privilege of having breakfast this morning with an Episcopal priest. I kid you not, a conservative Episcopal priest. I didn't know there were many left, but there happens to be a conservative Episcopal priest who lives not far from where I live. And and we had a wonderful time. And uh, one of the things that we happened to talk about, I don't know how we got on this, uh, was how it was transgenderism. And the and, and I was telling him about the book that I'm writing and, uh, and, and how conservatives, uh, and, and I'm talking about theological conservatives, but also political, so Christians um, in particular here, need to take the offense, not just the defense. And, and we need to um, be unapologetic about what the Bible teaches specifically, right? We have principles here, uh, and they're not open for debate as far, like they're not uh, negotiable, right? And so, uh, so one of the things he's, he said, and I thought this was great. He said, um, you know, he's, he's older than me. And, and so he said when he was a kid, the Brady Bunch was on television and, uh, Jan, who's a character from the Brady Bunch would say things like whatever a, uh, boy can do, a girl can do better. Right. And he said, that's this, that's idea. That's the same ideology. That's, that's like in its, you know, earlier form the same um, thinking that leads to transgenderism. And, and you wouldn't have, you, you, you might think that's crazy, John. Well, let, let me do one. This, this will really get me in trouble, okay? But even some of the logic used to justify uh, universal suffrage, uh, turn of the century, right, when that whole debate was happening, um, a lot of the pushback and the, the fear the, uh, from conservative types about that, and, and Christian types in particular, uh, was that, it would lead to households being divided. It would challenge the rightful authority that God gave to man. But, but more important than even that, it would degrade women because it would put them in a position of either directly elective in a, in a referendum but, or indirectly in electing officials um, choose and, and determine how force is applied from the government because government bears the sword, right? It's an instrument 
of force, applying law. That means death. That means punishment. I mean, that is whose responsibility is it to bear the sword, to go to war, right? Well, it was just commonly understood. That's men's, that, that's for them. That's not for women. That's their job. That's They're the protectors. Uh, in fact, it's to the shame of, of uh, a, a man when a woman usurps him, as we see in like Deborah and Barack example, right? Or um, uh, to, to have men, uh, women fighting is something that's shameful according to the Old Testament. So, so this, is, this has always been seen universally throughout human history as, as a man's job. And so that extended into the political realm because that's, that's the sword, that's force, right? And so you can, you can look back in history and you can see that these lines are, have, have been eroded so much over a long period of time. First wave, second wave, and now third wave feminism. In each case, there were lines that were being eroded, attacks on, uh, the, on, on natural um, hierarchy, the roles that God has uh, created, uh, to, to the, the, the roles of men and women. Uh, it's, it's really the design of the creator that is under attack in, in these circumstances. And so why should it surprise us when now those lines have been so eroded to the point that, you know what, pronouns can, are, are up for, uh, for whatever, whatever you want. They're subjective. You can just slap a pronoun on yourself and that's what you are. Um, it, it, the thinking has been around for so long. And in fact, recently I saw it was uh, someone, uh, an older person, but they were conservative. Um, I won't say who in this case, but um, they uh, online, they, they like to talk about their daughter being a, a police officer a lot. Right. And I don't think it's a sin, by the way, for a woman. To, I don't think it's sinful in and of itself intrinsically for a woman to partake in, uh, to be involved in law enforcement. I do think it's to the shame of the men, though. I do think it's not it's not fitting if you're using if you're in situations where uh, you're going to have guys that are very strong and you're going to I mean, it's it's not you're not suited for it. Right. And and I don't think and God gave women more maternal instincts. That's see, see, I'm already in trouble. I'm already getting canceled because of, of even saying that there's this natural difference and men are more suited to be police officers. Anyway, this conservative, quote unquote, person talks about their daughter as a police officer and is. um you know, just talks about it a lot, very proud of her. And, and, and maybe he should be. Um, but then, you know, is appalled about the transgender stuff. And there was someone online who pointed out, said, look, look, um, yeah, someone in the comments, I, I'm squirrel. She can be a police officer, but not vote. No, you, you haven't been listening. No, <laughs> she can, but I, my, I tell my wife, she should vote. Um, it, it's, we're getting, we're talking about underlying principles here. We're talking about design. We're talking about what, what did God create women for? And what did he create men for in their in various functions? Um, hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. I think women should have more political influence than a lot of men. In fact, they do. Uh, but it's not in the same way. So anyway, uh, back to what I was saying. Um, this Someone pointed out to this guy, he said, look, the, you, you, the logic you use to justify women being put in these vulnerable positions where they have to use force deadly force is the same kind of thinking that leads to the transgender ideology. It's, it's an erosion of barriers put in place by the creator. Now this is so controversial today. This is so politically incorrect today. You're not, you can't even come in within 10 feet of saying something like that and, and not be canceled. It seems 
but you got to ask yourself, is it true? And if, if it's not true, why not? Is there a difference between men and women? What, what is the difference? Are men better suited for some things? Are women better suited for some things? Well, I want to, in that spirit, what we've just talked about, uh, play this clip from Dennis Prager. This is a, um, this is a clip, like I said, from Jordan Peterson. Uh, it's a roundtable discussion, and he's got a bunch of guys on here. Now, I only recognized Larry Arn, I think, Oz Guinness, Jordan Peterson, and Dennis Prager. I don't know who the other guys are. I was kind, of, I was wondering why Larry Arn and Dennis Prager were even on this panel. To be honest with you, I'm like, you know, Dennis Prager is a talk show host, not exactly someone who's an expert on the Ten Commandments. Like, he's not a religious expert; he's a political guy. Um, Larry Arn, also more political, more education. Uh, he's kind of he's he's more of a neoconservative uh, guy, and I I don't know. I just kind of was like, what? I mean, not that he doesn't have anything to contribute, but you would think on a panel like this uh, of the caliber that the daily wire is capable of producing, it would be um, mostly uh, philosophers and um, people who are uh, theologians, I suppose. Um, So anyway, uh, Dennis Prager though, in in this particular clip that the daily wire is using to promote Jordan Peterson's show, he gets a bunch of time in to talk about uh, pornography. And, and these things are not unrelated. They're not unrelated. I was just reading an article uh, the other day about this and how um, all the things that pornography is contributing to social maladies, uh, erectile uh, dysfunction, um, lack of dating and marriage, lack of even uh, fertility issues. And now there's all kinds of issues that pornography is uh, is contributing to. But fundamentally, pornography, um, it's a detachment, right? It's it's a uh, it's separating. It's trying to. Uh, promote uh, the the pl- sexual pleasure without the responsibility and the commitment, right? Um, which which is not something that the creator ever intended to be separated, and uh, it's it's something that leads to, uh, like I said just now, a whole host of problems. And um, and and this is of course uh, this objectification is oftentimes very violent, violent depictions of uh, sexual acts that you would you wouldn't see in a in a setting with a, a, a wife or husband who love each other who are trying to cater to one another's desires and, and trying to serve one another right it's not serving it's taking for oneself it's it's violent um it's uh, uh it's degrading right it's it's degrading the image of god it's it's an attack on the image of god in a sense that and, and so then so you, you think of the commandment you have stealing you have coveting I mean, you're taking someone, even in your mind, you're, you're going, you're, you're stealing someone, uh, in your fantasies. Uh, it's, it's obviously, uh, in many cases, uh, committing adultery, of course, fornication, uh, would be involved in this. And, um, and in a sense there, there's an element to this. That's, that's murder. That's also lying. That's, uh, you're, uh, sacrificing that person for yourself, right? You're, that that person uh, who who is a, a daughter of someone who is uh, po- possibly a mother of someone who might even be a wife of someone, you know, they exist to fulfill your needs in that moment. And of course, this isn't just pornography. This is you know a, affairs and and all kinds of sexual deviancies. But um, Dennis Prager defends it. <laughs> I kid you not. Dennis Prager, who is a 
political conservative defends this. And this is the thinking that leads to the kind of moral anarchy. And that's and it wasn't you know accident that I said anarchy uh, in the title for this particular broadcast. It's not an accident that um, th- that a porn saturated culture is going to have more violence. It's going to have um, more sexual anarchy, uh, more dysfunction and chaos, dirtier. All of that is 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 tied to this. And as Christians, this isn't something that you have to argue. Really, this is something we all know this. But how do we go from a society that had whole, a whole lot of guns? My grandfather, even. I mean, there's a story uh, my dad told me. My grandfather would uh, take a gun to school. And they would because they go hunting on the way home. So they just put the gun in the back of the classroom. This is in rural Mississippi, right? White Southerners with guns. Oh, no. But no one shot up the school. Um, Today, much less guns and people are shooting up schools. What what happened? Was it the guns didn't change? The capacity to kill didn't change. What changed? What changes? The culture changed. And pornography is certainly one of those driving elements of that chaos, of that change. Uh, Anyway. Here's Dennis Prager. I am less interested in the interior person, morally speaking, than you are. Than, and uh, probably any of you are. And it's largely, I do believe, because I come from a behaviorist, l- law-based religion. We care how you act. That's why we don't have a claim that if you look at another woman with lust, it's as if you've committed adultery with her. I, I am, as I said yesterday, I, I thank God for America's Christians. And uh, Maimonides said, if it weren't for Christians, the world wouldn't know about the Torah. So uh, I'm a big Christian fan, but obviously Christianity and Judaism are not identical religions. Uh, and, And we have no equivalent that if you look upon another woman with lust, it's as if you have committed adultery with your heart. There's only one way to commit adultery in Judaism, and it's with a different organ. And I'm not being cute. I'm I'm being very realistic. Looking with lust is not a sin in Judaism. What's the stance on porno- what's the stance on pornography? So pornography, when I'm asked this question, you, just to you, put you on the spot, you by the did way. indeed. Uh, okay, so my my answer when it's raised on my radio show, I have a male female hour, and I'm very open about sexual subjects. I always ask if a wife calls me and says, my husband looks at pornography, I I, I found on his computer. I have one question. How is your life of intimacy with your husband? Is it good? In other words, is the pornography in lieu of you or in addition to you? Mm -hmm. Uh, And I know this is not a religious answer, and Mm -hmm. I'm not even giving a religious answer. I'm giving Mm -hmm. what I think is a moral and realistic answer. Men want variety. And uh, if adultery is a substitute for, if pornography is a substitute for one's wife, it's awful. If it's a substitute for adultery, it's not awful. That's, that is my unpredictable answer. Well, there is a clinical rule of thumb that's akin to that, I would say. If you're trying to decide clinically whether someone's partaking in a habit, say use of alcohol, has reached the threshold of clinical significance, one of the things you do is ask, the, the person you're assessing, 
know, is it interfering with your employment? Has it got you in trouble with the law? Is your family complaining? Does it stop you from doing other things that you should be doing? And so the judgment isn't the use of the forbidden substance itself. It's, it is in some sense consequentialist. And I'm not saying that that's an absolute, but it is a, it is a hallmark of clinical judgment. But Dennis, you're making, I think, too big a gap between... But we're going to listen to Oskinis because Oskinis, I think, hits it out of the park here, to be honest with you. He just, I, someone told me uh, last Friday was Zach Garris was uh, here and uh, he, we had a great uh, dinner. Uh, he promoted his book, Masculine Christianity. And anyway, someone someone came to that dinner and we were talking afterward and he's like, yeah, did you see what Dennis Prager said? And I, I was like, really? And, and at first I was like, I can't believe this. But then I was like, well, of course, you know, Prager, you uh the blaze i believe the daily wire uh they all uh congratulated ben, uh, uh ruben uh is it ben ruben not ben what's his name david ruben from the ruben report when he and his supposed i guess husband that's what he says his alleged husband um decided to have surrogate children and so so the organization that you know <laughs> dennis prager founded prager you um, and, he, and I think he's with Salem Radio, too, if I'm not mistaken. But but Prager U was, was already capitulated uh, on on some on, on and a different issue. But this is the relatedness is that it's the erosion of just common sense boundaries that everyone universally would have accepted up until two seconds ago. And and so it, it, it shouldn't come as a surprise, but it still sort of is in a way when you hear that you're, you think, cause you associate Dennis Prager with more, uh, those who I'm sure listen to him. I don't listen to him a lot, but, uh, conservative political thinking and, and so forth. And, and that wouldn't seem to be a conservative position. Um, it, it's, it's like ancient history, but it really wasn't that long ago when many of the States banned pornography. Pornography was illegal, you know, up until even, um, in the eighties in some of the Southern States, if you were caught with, uh, pornographic images you could go to jail i mean it, it wasn't a um it, it, it was it wasn't like a, a something that you just thought was common but it's, it's so normalized now to the point that even the most vocal voices for conservatism allegedly so-called are okay with it to some extent they're okay with you know they're capitulating on things like gay marriage with david rubin right they're uh they're, they're just concerned about transgender athletes, but it makes no sense to be concerned about that when you, you've already given the left all the logic they need. They've, there's, there's no boundary. There's no, um, limiter when it comes to sexual activity that's permissible. In fact, those who would want to limit are now supposed to be limited by the power of the state if necessary. So what you just heard though, is an influential conservative talk show radio host say that Judaism is not opposed to lust, basically. Now, I, I, <laughs> I, I know the Bible well enough to know that this is not true. And, and Doskinis hits it out of the park in a moment. Um, you have even positive examples in scripture like Job you know, making a covenant not to behold the virgin, which is uh, it's a reference to sexual lust to not say he's saying he's I'm, I've been holy before God. I've been sinless. I, I haven't even looked at the virgin. I haven't even I haven't lusted. You know, I, I've been I've taken precautions in that regard. And uh, and he's he's a righteous man. Right. Um, obviously, we see what, David's adultery right in that story. Where does it start? It starts with lust and then it, it winds up in murder. Right. These things are connected people. 
Um, it, it does, every person who lusts is going to murder. Nope, didn't say that. I'm saying that sin is connected and sin leads to more sin. And that's what happened in the story of David. And David, um, at the end of the day, he's he, he commits adultery. He murders someone. And it's what was he confronted on? What did Nathan confront him on? You know, you took something that didn't belong to you. You saw something you wanted and you went for it. Now, would it have been okay if David didn't ever call Bathsheba to the palace? No. <laughs> he still would have been wrong. Still, it, it, it was the, it, and this is the word that I know, uh, I guess this podcast made famous a few weeks ago, but concupiscence. It, it starts in that, that, that small form, that internal evil desire. And, and, and it's, and then it blossoms into all the things that you saw in the story um, of David. Um, but coveting would cover this. And of course, for Christians, this is very easy, right? When Jesus said to not look at, uh, not look at a woman with lust, um, he, he was not just, in, in a Christian understanding, offering a higher standard. He was giving, he, he was explaining the rationale behind the standards the Jews were given. Because God is a God of uh, fidelity, and we see this in his relationship with the children of Israel. How often were they in trouble for playing the harlot with other gods? That's how, I mean, again, they're connected, right? Sexual stuff, idolatry, connected. Um, how often did that happen? All the time. Uh, they were punished for that more than anything else. And so, you know, Jesus, when he is ex explaining the law to his followers, and he says, if you look with lust, you commit adultery, he's not saying anything new in a sense. This was always the character of God. This was always the heart of God. This was always, um, you know, the, the way that it was supposed to be. Uh, that someone who's pure in heart, someone who uh, doesn't hide the uh, sin in their heart, confesses it. I mean, this is this has always been with the man of God, the Psalm 119 man. So Judaism would would be in principle, opposed to pornography. It should be Old Testament Judaism, at least, right? And, and, and this is more of an affirming standard rather than a negative one, because the template is not does, does not include uh, sexually deviant behavior, including pornography. It, it, it's, it's just not there. Even the word pornography, I mean, Jesus has used that word porneia to describe a whole host of sins from the Old Testament, but it's basically just those things that deviate from a standard. What's the standard? Men and women in a uh, committed relationship. And that committed relationship is called a marriage. That's the standard. That's what we're given. So things that deviate from that are wrong. It, it shouldn't take rocket science to figure that out. But um, <laughs> this is, uh, this for, for, and so I thought maybe this is modern Judaism. Maybe that's what Dennis Prager, but I was looking up um, before I started the podcast in the Talmud there's actually a number of passages that are more explicitly against uh, masturbation, pornography. And, and so I thought, well, what's he talking about here? So maybe that's an indication that he shouldn't be on a panel like this. But he, whatever form of Judaism, which it appears, I mean, he doesn't have, he, he, he doesn't come across as someone who is Hasidic Jewish or, or Orthodox. I don't know what he would be. Maybe conservative Jew and the conservatives are liberal in Judaism. Whatever 
iteration he's part of uh that tradition it, maybe it's like liberal christianity it's just like well, that's not a big deal you'd think though as a conservative talk show host he would be able to connect these dots right but no and that's what i want some of you to see here just because someone is a conservative does not mean they can connect these dots and it doesn't mean they're conservating much of value they may be a previous represent a previous stage of radicalism progressivism that may be who they are they may not be a real conservative they, may, they might just be a shadow that follows liberalism or progressivism to perdition and i think dennis prager might fit that to some extent this is fundamental if you this is why i think christians should be this is one of the top issues christians who want to be politically involved should should be fighting is pornography and that may not get get you you know winning popularity contests but at least you're arguing on principle and you're being uh, somewhat aggressive. You're not on the defensive. You're on the offensive. And, and it's the root of so many of our issues. At least it, it, it starts people out on this road towards devaluing other human beings and um, in, in, horrible, in, in levels, uh, lower levels of depravity. So he says Judaism is not opposed to lust. Porn is also, but then he changes his argument. You notice that? Um, because pornography is justified not because of religious factors, but because men want variety. So this is like an evolutionary justification or something, I guess, a biological justification. Men want variety, and that's just definitional to how it's a design argument. Men must be designed this way if, if, if Dennis Prager believes in God. So I would assume that's what he's saying is men, this is just how men are. So, so, so there's, now you're saying if you believe in God and you're saying men are this way, you're saying God must have designed them that way if this isn't sinful and if this is just in the wiring then men then then why not i mean he, he looks like he just justified polygamy he just justified pornography i mean why not have affairs uh i guess because there's some kind of a limiter in the torah that says you shall not commit adultery that's the only thing that's the limiter but the limiter now makes no sense because there's no positive vision here it's all negative Right. This is the same thing that evangelicals are doing on homosexuality so often. Right. They, they, they or, or even women's ordination and women preachers and things. They, they try to technically go to like, here's a passage that says women should not teach. All right. Women can't have authority over men. They can't teach um, in, in a mixed audience. Uh, they can't be an elder in the church. Um, but they can do A, B and C. And some would say that A, B and C means they actually can teach in certain circumstances, or they can teach in any circumstance. They just can't hold the office of elder or um, they can be the leader of your elder board or something, but they can't preach uh, or the they can be the chairman of the seminary trustee board, but they can't go and you know take courses in the seminary on preaching and then go into a church and use those courses. I mean, it's so convoluted. It's so convoluted because they're not going back to the positive vision. There's no template. They're not, there's no principle anymore. They've given the whole battle up and now they're just left with a bunch of legalistic rules. That's what Dennis Prager's left with here. A bunch of legalistic rules. Why is homosexuality wrong? Well, because uh, there's a verse here that says it's wrong, but it's, it's, it's it. It's just because there's a verse here. There's no like design, the, the, the component of, of design behind that or reason for it, you know, that uh, God has shown us that, that's not doesn't comport with his his plan for us. And he has a plan for us. And they're not even going there. Christians aren't even going there really much anymore. 
it's just it's almost like they apologize too sometimes like I, i'm sorry we we believe this but like it is in our bible so dennis prager has the same problem it's it's a rear guard action it's a retreat action to try to hold on to some semblance of boundary but you've lost the whole logic behind it you've lost the foundation so it's going to erode even the boundary of adultery because you have no justification left all you have is an arbitrary rule uh and then uh you have um peterson and, and he uh, yeah, i should say he also brings in situation ethics here right that well his if, if the situation is such that you know it's not taking away from your marriage that's fine uh, but if it is, then then that's when it's wrong. Well, says who? Why? Why? Uh, is it an adultery at that point? It's not technically adultery, so why is that wrong? Uh, Peterson then comes in with a consequentialist argument. Well, you know, and and to his credit, I think he's trying to be stronger here. He's trying to say like, well, well look, man, Dennis. You know, maybe he's thinking this, man. This is weak. You know, red alert, Dennis. Um, we got to come up with a way to give uh, shore this up. Because, you know, obviously this is a problem, like pornography is an issue and we can't just give that up, but it's an issue because consequences. Now, look, consequences indicate that it's an issue. I just brought up a bunch of consequences. So I don't, I don't, you know, I'm not against what Peterson is saying here, but it can't be the only thing you say. It can't be the root issue either. It has to come back to that. It is not in accordance with God's design for us. It is not in accordance with his plan for us. It is against his will for us. If you don't come back to that for a divine command and, and not an arbitrary command, but a command that is based upon the character and nature of God and the design that he is, um, he is placed into creation, then you have no leg to stand on. None. All right, let's keep going. Because Oskinus, I think, really hits it out of the park. And I don't know if everyone notices it, but he does. The behavior and where it comes from and surely the 10th commandment is exactly that. You could expound everything Jesus said from thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife or another woman, you're not whatever. Well, you know, the whole point okay. of coveting, it begins in the heart. And I understand your Hebrew word for covet is a desire that doesn't stop halfway. Right, to take. It takes action. It's to take. Yeah. It's not, there's no ban in the 613 laws of the Torah on lusting. It do, I don't even know there's a tava is the closest you could get to lust in Hebrew. But okay. The, the, yeah. Okay, so let me ask so you about the, that. The, so. the, the covet is critical. I can say, I can be attracted to my neighbor's wife. I can't want her. There's, there, mm -hmm. there's, a, there's a difference mm -hmm. because it both, but what mm -hmm. about a single woman? I asked one of the great Protestant thinkers of our generation in a public debate in Phoenix. I asked them, so can a single Christian male look upon a single woman with lust? He can't be committing adultery. He's not married and she's not married. So is the real ban lust or is the ban on adultery? Yeah, I mean, at least for me, when I hear all of this from my own Orthodox perspective, it's be. All right, we're gonna cut off the Orthodox guy here. Um, what's Dennis Prager talking about here? Proverbs chapter six. And for those who really want to fight pornography and these kinds of things, Proverbs six, Proverbs seven, go to passages for Christians. Go to passages. What does Proverbs six say? It, it's talking about the 
the temptress here, right? The the woman who uh, this would this would leads to fornication. This leads to adultery. This is do not desire her beauty in your heart, nor let her capture you with her eyelids. For on account of a harlot, one is reduced to a loaf of bread, and an adulteress hunts for the precious life. I, now it seems to me that the do not desire her beauty in your heart would be lust, right? So what is Dennis Prager talking about? There's no ban on lust in, in the Torah, in the old. Now, this is wisdom literature. Maybe he doesn't think that wisdom literature amounts to, you know, the the same status as, as, as Moses or something. Um, but no matter what version of Judaism he is part of, that should be a contributing authority. Uh, I mean, I don't know what he does with the example of Job or the example of David. Um, I'm just, I, to, to me, again, it's, it's an affirming standard. It's not a, it, it's not a negative standard. And that's, he keeps thinking of it that way. It's, it's, it doesn't meet the standard. Sin is missing the marks. Pornography doesn't meet the standard. That's not the way God designed you to behave sexually. That's not what he, that's not his will for you because he has this other will for you that he clearly delineates in scripture. But but he's just way off on that, and I figured I would I would correct that. Um, I'll let you know, yeah, no, that's that is talked about in scripture. There's uh, no doubt about that. Uh, now, do we do we? Let's see. We've been going about an hour and twelve minutes. I'm gonna just play a little bit more of this. I don't know if we'll finish the clip, but uh, let's let's finish this uh, as much as we can. Bewildering because at least th from the tradition in which I am, it's not a morality question. It, I, even the word morality, it bothers me. The, at least in, in the Christian tradition that I participate in, the call is to be transformed. The call is to be free. That's the call. Christ is calling us to be free. And so the idea of like, can you lust or can't you lust or can you do this or not this thing? The answer is, they are, we have desires in us and these desires tend to enslave us. They tend to pull us into themselves. And these laws are exterior ways for you to understand how it is that you can now be free from these desires. None of the desires are wrong. Like sexual desire isn't wrong. Desire to eat isn't wrong. None of these things are wrong. The problem is when they capture you. Mm -hmm. subordination right. And so it's them. not about, it's not about like trying to figure out if I'm sinning or not sinning. Like when, if I go to confession, I, I ask forgiveness for all the sins I've done voluntary and involuntary. It's like I'm sinning all the time. If you, if you want to know, like every, every, you know, all day long I'm sinning, but the that's idea, why you're so much fun. That's right, that's so much fun. <laughs> but the idea is rather, is rather that, you know, to, to attend to my desires in the sense so that I'm not captured by them. So mm -hmm. I don't become obsessed so that I don't mm -hmm. fall into that. So to me, like the question of like legally trying to figure out like where I'm sinning and where I'm not, it's just like a, whew, it, 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 it pulls me into a world it, that it, I so if That's actually, <laughs> I think that's a, probably a, a decent representation of uh, at least a, a large portion of Eastern Orthodoxy. I'm no expert on Eastern Orthodoxy, but when, whenever you talk to someone who's Eastern Orthodox about like, you know, theosis and, uh, or, you know, I don't know, uh, deep theology, they... Um, it, it, they really tend to embrace the, the mystery and the limitations that human beings have and uh, clear delineations even between like law and gospel and stuff that Protestants are known for keeping separate. You know, they 
they just don't like to keep those things separate as much, uh, in my experience, at least. And um, and, and so he, you hear that coming out here where he is. Uh, he, he's saying, don't focus on that. Don't focus on whether it's a sin or not. Uh, you know, maybe it is. Maybe it's not. Maybe you're sinning uh, involuntarily. But, you know, the the, the important thing is the, the desires aren't really wrong. It's just wanting it, it's making it's those desires being too strong in you or something like that and and that's fundamentally i mean there's some truth to the the idea that wanting something that is right like food right food is a good thing to want but wanting it something too much gluttony right there's a lot of things like this and this is where the distinction comes in between internal and external desire or uh trials and temptations if you will um and, and we're going to talk more about this in a future episode. I have some things queued up uh, to talk about concupiscence because the Roman Catholics, I think, have the same view uh, on this, which is that um, they, they don't really see any desires really can't be sins. That's really what it comes down to. Like desires, it's not until you you act in some way, you make a choice, and that's what actuates a sin. Uh, now, I don't know if he would say that exactly, but at least the the commonality there would be that desires uh, in and of themselves you know, are not necessarily sinful. And we know biblically, though, desires can be sinful. If you desire a woman who is not your wife, okay, sexually, that is sinful according to Jesus. There's no if, ands, and buts about it. It just is. You're not supposed to be desiring that thing. God has not granted that thing. So it's off limits. There's a boundary there. So you commit the sin in your mind before uh, you, it leads to the outward action. It ha Something happens in the heart first. Uh, so, so anyway, I don't know exactly who this gentleman is, but another person on a, a panel that seems to be dominated by modern political conservatives and inadequate to really talk about this issue of pornography, of lust, just ill-equipped. And, and you have to wonder why. Os Guinness is the one who's given the clearest standard here. Like, like if you were going into a fight with the left, right, on any myriad of the sexual issues, who do you want in your, in your, your uh, uh, you know, next to you in the battle, in your trench? Which one of these guys do you want the guys that make all these exceptions and don't really have principles, but they have kind of archaic rules or they can't really define what is and what isn't a sin exactly. But, or do you want someone like Os Guinness who's just like, Jesus said this and that's what uh, coveting is for, in the old Testament. And this is, this is what it says. Let's hold to the principle here. Um, and I'm, I'm sure with given more time, he would say, and it, de it deviates from the standard God's given us. Man has, and I know this case, I know a man who was saintly in taking care of his Alzheimer's wife who got Alzheimer's at the young age of 50 and, and watched over her and bathed her uh, for, for a, a, a decade. And then, so I would just ask, you asked me about pornography. So this man was faithful to a wife with whom he could not have relations, obviously, for a decade or more. I, it may have, I think it went to 15 years. Would he have been wrong in relieving his sexual tension uh, uh, with, a, with a photograph? Yes. Yes, he would have. 
you know, I think this is getting more into why things are the way they are. Pornography is normalized in conservative, or I should say sexual deviancy is normalized in these conservative supposed circles because pornography has already been normalized. It's already rampant. It's are it's already looked upon as crazy that uh, you know someone wouldn't um, look at the that you know try to find some relief in, in that way. I mean, what did they do before they were married? I guess that that would justify if you're single before you're married. I, why not sleep around? I mean, you're not technically you're not cheating on anyone, right? Technically, maybe a future man's wife, but most people don't think of it that way. Why not? Uh, this is getting to the, the root of it. Ultimately, the argument that Dennis Prager is making here is that human beings should be allowed to carry out the desires of their flesh. And it would be unthinkable to limit that. What if the desire of your flesh is to be trans? What if the desire of your flesh is homosexuality? What if it's pedophilia? Where's the limiters? Now, of course, the left has no limiters. They, they just mock. They just rage. They're the fool of Proverbs just mocks. They, they have no positive vision at all. And God will judge them for that. And it's sad that there's people like that. But conservatives ought to have, Christian people who, who are operating supposedly from a biblical framework ought to have some convictions on this. And uh, you, you're not seeing it here. You're not seeing it. Um, that's his, ju his justification is more concerning to me than his actual position, to be quite honest with you. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering if it's this, Dennis, maybe, and this is something that I had talked to people in my clinical practice about. So imagine there's the, the and I guess we're into thou shalt not commit adultery, by the way, which is the next uh, commandment. You can imagine um, an erotic image that compels sexual desire. And, and I think that's part of what we're discussing, that morality of that or its its potential to be an implement to the instantiation of an ideal you can imagine a situation where your desire is to um, to sleep with your neighbor's wife you're not acting on it but the reason you're not acting on it is because she doesn't want to sleep with you now it still seems to me that given that your desire is to undertake the act and the only reason that you're not able to manage it has nothing to do with your moral stance it has to do with the impossibility of the action now given it's i don't know how you would deal with that because oh, you he, he, that, that's a violation of do not covet he's coveting okay. his neighbor's wife is as clear as a bell okay okay so, he would, so at least one thing is clear as a bell <laughs> it's so it, it's, only, it's only clear when there's this rule that's put in place. But the, yeah, defending the logic behind it, why it's there, the design, the ideal, the, the, the ideals are gone. This is one of the points Richard Weaver makes in Ideas Have Consequences. And it's why I'm writing the book that I'm writing right now is because it is the giving up of categories and ideals and the holding on to particulars. Dennis Prager is trying to hold on to a particular from an archaic past. The reason it's an archaic past is because the ideal, the rationale for that particular has been given up and once it's given up it leads to all kinds of anarchy we here's a point worth making there's a great gulf between the ten commandments 
and the Christian faith in this way. First of all, by the way, the, the Ten Commandments are painfully obvious, aren't they? Doesn't everybody know that before the tablets? Uh, but uh, I, I had a great teacher. Most of my great teachers were Jews. Dennis will say maybe that's why I know things. But uh, I wouldn't say that. Uh, <laughs> I, I do. But there's a great man. He's dead now. His name was Harry Newman, and he styled himself a, a nihilist. And we would argue with him about that all the time, and he was a very, very learned man and a great teacher. And so sometimes when you want to put the point that he's a nihilist, he would say, I'm a non-practicing Orthodox Jew. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that emphasizes the point that it is a set of practices more than a set of beliefs, mm -hmm. whereas Christianity mm -hmm. is more a set of beliefs. Mm -hmm. Well, these four... Hero Israel, <laughs> the Lord your God is one, and you shall honor the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And what, what is he talking about? Of course, Judaism is, it's both. It's, it's, it's beliefs about who God is and his character. Why should you obey the commandments? Because I am the Lord, your God. And they flow directly from the character and nature of God. I mean, why was it so important to, for, for God to emphasize the oneness uh, of who he is, um, his attributes of loving kindness, hesed love, his judgment for those uh, who depart from uh, jealousy, really, for, the, for those who uh, break his covenant, um, that he's, he upholds his end of the covenant. He's, I mean, all these things, you have to believe a number of things about God before you get to the point of, now I trust him and I will follow his law. So, he, what what maybe Larry Arn's talking about is in practice. There's there's some Jewish sects out there that don't take it seriously, but that that would be like all right. That would be like this. Um, I want to know. I, I I had some teachers growing up who were Christians. Now they happen to be PCUSA pastors, maybe, but they were Christians, and I could see. You know, that their religion was all about belief and not about action because they they didn't practice any of the things that they said to, to, they supposedly believed. And so I'm going to just judge all of Christianity by that. Well, that'd be ridiculous. I can't you can't judge all Christianity throughout time and space and all the different you're, you're, you're taking this liberal uh, group and then saying that's what they all of them are. And that might be what Larry Arn's doing here. I'm not exactly sure. Um, but anyway. All right, let's let's keep going here. Uh, we will we will end this. We'll land the plane, and then I'll give you some concluding thoughts. Or our beliefs, I mean behaviors, aren't they? And they're pretty mm -hmm. well universal. Yeah. Almost all societies would agree with these four, but thou shalt not covet is innovative. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm intrigued. You have Rene Girard, as you know, everything based on mimesis. In other words, we desire what other people desire. And I read Girard, the whole of American consumerism is based on mimesis, is it not? We are taught to desire what other people desire, want to wear what you wear. Or, mm -hmm. Well, it's a good way, it is a good way of figuring out what's of value. I mean, because that is an open question. There's many things you could value, and one way of becoming informed about that is to see what everyone else values. And so... I, I'm, trying, I'm trying to strip the morality out of that to some degree. I mean, that can become, mm -hmm. that can become weaponized yeah. and it can become pathological. But so to, to go back to Larry's friend, I mean, you know, or Larry's teacher, 
you've got to, there's got to be, even if you're committing yourself to certain exterior practices or habits or behaviors on the basis of, say, command, there's got to be some prior belief, prior commitment in to the authority of the, the person or the, the, the source of these commands. So there's mm -hmm. got to be well, some kind of... Well, this one question, question that he Well, you've got to believe that there... It's society that wouldn't agree with those four. No, but, well, let's say it doesn't ma matter where the source of authority might come from. It might be the inner one's, one's conscience, that the nihilist is still going to accept that there is some degree. The nihilist who conforms to these behaviours is going to say, is going to be acting on, on something, uh, well, not, I'd, not nothing. Well, I'd, I'd like to challenge Larry's supposition, just for the sake of, of discussion. Are these self-evident? And I would say... They're not exactly self-evident to psychopaths, right? So the self-evidence argument's a really interesting one because you could add the, psycho the psychopathy twist to all of these. It would be, well, thou shalt not kill unless you can get away with it, and it works in your favor. The same with adultery, the same with stealing. And the question there would be something like, well, why shouldn't I do this if I can get away with it? Okay, well... We actually did make it through the whole clip, and we're probably going to end this in about three minutes. It's uh, going an hour and a half in here, but uh, wow. So takeaways from that. you heard, I, I think that uh, Jordan Peterson summed up all of mainstream modern conservatism, political conservatism, when he said, I'm trying to strip the morality out <laughs> when Os Guinness is talking about uh, coveting. He's like, I'm trying to strip the morality out. Right. Cause he, cause he's going to a consequentialist argument that, well, it's uh, look at how this affects your neighbors when you don't treat them right. And you, and you lust after their stuff. It's like, well, yeah, yeah, sure. That does. Uh, but th is that is the justification for why it's wrong? Because it's inefficient for the relationship that you have with your neighbor that it causes strife. So is that the goal is to have strife is the, or is the goal matching a higher standard put down by the very creator of the universe. And that's what's missing from the entire conversation. Oskin has tried, but the entire conversation is, is deprived of that. And it's the only thing that can give you an anchor is God. It is, it, you know, they're trying to justify, I don't even know who the gentleman was at the end with the British accent, but justify it based on intrinsic belief. Well, sure, we do have a conscience. Romans 1 talks about that. Where did it come from, though? The, the conscience, the particular... Right. In this particular in, in situation, the particular, the human being, his mind, his conscience is not the transcendental, is not the the justification for a, that particular. You're not going to find the justification in itself. The justification is the character and nature of God. So um, looking within to find meaning is is hopeless. That's not going to work. Uh this is a lost panel. This is a very lost panel. And it, it saddens me that there's political conservatives out there, even young people listening to this and thinking, wow, this is really smart people discussing the Bible. And I, you know, I'm learning and I'm feeling, you're not learning much. These are people that clearly many of them don't know what they're talking about. Uh, they're giving advice that's detrimental it's not rooted in anything principled. And they're the face of the supposed resistance against the moral anarchy around us. My suggestion is 
they're contributing it to to it at this point. The, these are the people that are actually contributing to to it at this point on some level. It doesn't mean that they don't do good things in other arenas, but they've capitulated. They've given up the argument. And I would just suggest find some better talk show hosts to listen to. I, I think it's good to listen to political uh, commentary if you're driving around and that's the time you have to listen or um, uh, read political, keep yourself informed politically. But I'll tell you what, I don't listen to Dennis Prager. Right. I'm not I, I don't uh, I don't really recognize the other people on the panel. I have listened to some Jordan Peterson, but he's he's not as political. It's more he's more psychological and cultural commentator. And he has some good things to say about some things. But you know what? It's not my main diet. And I, and I don't I don't I hardly listen to him at all anymore. Honestly, it's just because because I know he's there's only so far someone like that can uh, take you. And I know I have to filter out it from his analysis what he just said, trying to strip the morality out, trying to over-psychologize, trying to use consequentialist arguments, trying to uh, be behaviorist. All that stuff I have to sift out if I listen to Jordan Peterson. So I'm not knocking Jordan Peterson, right? I did a whole podcast with Joel Webin on Jordan, you know, why we prefer Jordan Peterson over Tim Keller, at least, on some of his conclusions. I'm not trying to knock Jordan Peterson, but the question is, are there better people out there that you could be listening to on these subjects? And I think there probably are. And uh, and I, I think we may need more voices, but I, I think there are people that you can listen to in the political realm uh, that have uh, better things to say. Maybe in a future episode, I'll talk about some of the people that I listen to. Um, and and I, I don't listen to talk to radio stuff a lot, though. That's part of the problem is, you know, as soon as I mention one, like I, I listen to Jesse Kelly sometimes at night, but I really don't know where what perspective he's coming from. Uh, so maybe he's in this category, too. I don't think so, though. He seems more principled in some of the things that he says. Um, but uh, but I like reading things. Right. I like reading articles as and getting as close to the facts as I can possibly get. And then when it comes to. Um, Something like this, you know, Exodus, which is don't go to Jordan Peterson. There's plenty of great preachers out there that have preached on Exodus. And you can go to the, go to Sermon Audio and type in Exodus and you can see all the, the people who are do actually believe the Bible and what they've said about it. So that's my admonition to everyone uh, out there. Um, I'm going to probably uh, just wrap it up with saying evil exists. We've seen that with this shooting. Please pray for the families. Please pray for Nashville and that the gospel would, there'd be opportunities. We know that the Lord, uh, the Lord knows why this happened. It, it was part of his, um, in, in his providence that this happened and it is evil and he views it as evil. Um, and we're grateful it didn't go farther, but we're, we're very saddened by what happened. Um, the other thing is that sin is connected. Sin is connected. And hopefully you saw that through the course of this episode. All right. Well, God bless. More coming later this week. Bye now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.